Welcome to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with host Lane Nordland. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cattleman's Call podcast. I'm Lane Nordland and I want to thank everyone for joining us here today, particularly because it is a busy time of the year for spring calvers. Just like many of you, our family just wrapped up branding this past weekend. And so many of us are uncertain, we're anxious about what the coming months will have in store for us in terms of drought conditions, grass availability, hay availability, and the price of hay. But management always comes to the forefront of so many of these conversations. And I'm truly excited to discuss technology that truly encompasses every aspect of a cattle operation, from calving to cattle management to input management and grazing rotations. I'm not doing the program justice, and maybe I should introduce our guests that will be discussing technology and ranch management here in the 21st century. Again, we're going to have a great conversation today with uh, with a guest you may be familiar with. Uh, Our first guest is uh, going to be joining us from the state of Colorado. Mr. Steve Wooten is joining us, uh, a past Environmental Stewardship Award winner and uh, current president of the Colorado Cattlemen's Association. Steve, how are things going today? They're going real well, Lane. Uh, as a matter of fact, where we're talking about calf management, we're preparing to brand our last set of calves tomorrow. So we're, we've been gathering and tightening them up to a smaller pasture to gather them out of and, and start the process with them. We've been blessed with some precipitation. And so we're, we've got color, a little bit of color. And as, as with so much of the greater western united states we all could use some more but we feel really fortunate that at least we've got some color oh very very true we uh my hay field's looking pretty good uh here here today hopefully that that'll remain uh, until we can get it cut but uh as you mentioned our topic today for listeners is going to center around uh, calf management and of course the uh, uh, producers we always talk about weather it, it doesn't matter where we're at we always oh did you get any rain how's the weather your way well especially during these difficult times and drought and and uh just knowing what's going on utilizing technology in the 21st century is just so vital uh, for our success, uh, to be profitable, to maximize our yields uh, of our rangeland, of our hay ground. And uh, uh, I'm excited to be uh, joined also uh, with by John Farger here this morning. He's co-founder and CRO of AgroWeb. And uh, uh, John, I, I, I know you and your team have worked with Steve and his family operation. But uh, John, how is uh, your day? Uh, I know uh, you've, you're in Denver right now, but uh, Australia Australia, of course, is where you call home. John, how, how are you doing this afternoon? Yeah, great. Thank you, Lane, and uh, and thank you for having me on. Very excited for this conversation and excited to uh, to spend some more time with, with you and Steve here today. So as you said, yep, currently based in, in Colorado here um, where our office is, uh, but originally, um, you know, I'm, I'm down in Australia, actually off a, uh, a large kind of cattle ranch down there. So so very excited to talk about um to talk about the, the topic today and and uh, can share a little bit of insights of um, similarities and potentially the differences on on our operation, which are, which is where I grew up, being a fifth generation there of, of about four hundred thousand acres. So we can uh, we can spend some time and, and talk a bit about that, and then of course spend some time talking about um, about the technology topic you just mentioned and around how the importance of that um, moving forward our livestock operations and and the broader value chain. So yeah, thank you for thank you for having us along. 
Well, John, again, thank you uh, for joining us here today. And Steve, uh, uh, before we uh, pushed record on this show, you, you, you said that you were putting a horse up. Obviously, you've been a little bit busy here this morning. Uh, how, how was uh, how's spring calving go? It sounds like branding is, is about wrapped up, but how are things going uh, down there in Colorado? Well, it was one of the things about being somewhat in a drought. We had a very mild season this year. Um, lacked in lacked in snow precipitation, but that left for very easy calving conditions for the cow herd. Um, we've we've been through about seventy percent of the cows already, and we're really pleased. We're we're running right at ninety six percent of the cows that were confirmed bred last October brought a calf to branding, and so we're really pleased with that. Uh, and the condition of the calves looks good. We're really optimistic about what they can do. Of course, like we talked, the weather will make a difference, but um, our optimism is tied to the potential in the calf market this this fall and uh, see what we can do to manage around our input costs going into 2023. Because from here forward, we'll be looking at supplemental needs by October and January of 2023. And we all know what corn and wheat and soybeans and everything is doing to us right now, along with fuels and fertilizers. So um, all those are going to be a major role. We already have our drought management plan set with key dates and and management actions that we'll take into consideration. And we always cross our fingers and hope that we don't have to enact that plan. But it's just the way of doing business anymore is have a prearranged management plan ahead of time. Now, uh, I want to dive into that plan a little more, but uh, how much precip have you received here uh, this spring? I I know up here in Montana, we've received more rain in one month than we received all of last year combined. So uh, what's it looking like in in your part of Colorado? Our area in in southeast Los Animas County, um, we had an inch of precipitation pretty general uh, the very first part of the month, and then Last week, we had another inch, inch and a quarter of general precipitation, albeit I say general, that's spotty, but it, it covered most of our county, part of Pueblo County, Otero County, and Baca County. So whenever we can get that kind of storm that comes through and gives some precipitation to a large area, you hope that you start to change that weather cycle, that now you have some humidity that helps build on top of you and, and things like that. So same as you guys in the month of March to April to May, more precipitation than since last September. Yep. Well, again, we, we're all crossing our fingers that we do receive a little bit more uh, moisture, but uh, we, I think we've received more than we thought we, we would get at this point of the year uh, across much many, many parts of the West. And especially when we look at kind of the, the winter wheat conditions across uh, much of the nation, Colorado, their, their poor to very poor ratings just went through the, the fl- uh, floor, or excuse me, not Colorado, uh, Texas. I, I, I've, been, I've been doing radio and TV since 3 30 this morning steve so getting my states mixed up but texas went all the way through the floor colorado montana actually saw some improvements in that winter wheat and i know that impacts so many cattle producers that uh, turn out to wheat or, 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 or graze those wheat pastures come fall time but you know you, you talked about that ranch management plan and when when you look at that opportunity to actually have a plan in place, uh, you you have multiple generations on the ranch. How much easier is it for you to sit down with your family 
utilizing 21st century technology, uh, the knowledge that you've had from the decades you've spent on the land and being able to share that to that next generation, how important is it to be able to to have those plans and utilize technology? And of course, I'm talking about AgroWeb when we're looking at these important decisions, especially when it's making those tough decisions at the kitchen table during these droughty times. I'll, I'll share an example with you, Lane. Joy and I came home from college in 1980. And through that period of the 80s into the early 90s, we, we still functioned as a multi-generational family. We were the youngest generation. We never had a drought management plan. We never once talked about, are we going to have enough forage to take the current cow herd around? We operated at about 70 acres per cow per year. Today, we have a constant conversation about drought management, pasture usage, rate of growth in pastures. Um, that, that goes on almost on a, it's not daily, but as we're getting ready to make decisions about pasture rotation, we're planning, we're planning because of what's happening in front of us. But then the technology, like risk management, uh, using the pasture rings and forage insurance as a risk management tool, being on Brian Bledsoe's uh, group that, that we get periodic updates. We, we work with the folks at AgriWeb to help us with marketing, with management of the cattle, the weight of the cattle, the marketing of the cattle. Um, and, and here of recent, we started talking with the folks at Vince because one of our ranches that we lease has pastures that are five to 7,000 acre size pastures. And we've really struggled the last five years to get uniform utilization. And we just finished a quarter mile project, paid $4,000 for it. That puts $16,000 a mile to put in four wire fence on straight level ground. And for that same kind of money, we can work with the folks at Vince and AgriWeb and utilize virtual fencing instead of hardwire fencing. And so that that's gonna help us with our pasture management. And, and within our goal there, REST is the most important tool that we can have in this semi-arid environment. And so the better we can utilize, move, and get those pastures back to rest and recovery, then we're gonna constantly be in a better position to manage drought where you don't have to make drastic decisions because you wake up and you go, my God, we're out of grass everywhere. We've got nowhere to put the cows. So we want to, we want to manage against that type of scenario. Well, uh, Steve, I, and I, I do want to talk about that virtual fencing and just using the, the, the 21st century technologies to, to save money and invest elsewhere. But uh, I, I do want to turn my attention back to John, of course, uh, with AgriWeb. But what caught my attention, John, was the 400,000 acres that, that you mentioned that uh, you grew up uh, raising cattle on. Uh, uh, talk about your upbringing and also how you found yourself uh, creating and implementing uh, a technology software to help ranchers not only in Australia but but worldwide, and how that on the ground, boots on the ground experience growing up really helped shape that. And so you can work with producers just like Steve Wooten there in Colorado. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Um, you know, so as, as I mentioned there, you know, like Steve, a multi generational uh, rancher. Um, you know, we we I kind of grew up on 
on our um on our sheep and cattle property and uh you know in terms of those last large pasture sizes uh, paddock sizes there steve i i had a chuckle i think our largest um largest paddock there's about fifty thousand acres um so so when you know from my growing up in terms of how we managed our place uh you know we um we had a cessna so you know dad's been a pilot for 50 odd years and and um if i go back in time and really look at what happened in terms of you know my grandfather and my father and then my generation you know across our across our place we had we had 40 staff um back in the 50s all on horseback at that point in time um we had little kind of outstations across across the property and as you can imagine over that size um you know it would take it would take weeks um to muster one to one paddock and months really to muster the whole property right if you were to if you were to all round up and and you know ultimately we'd, we'd only be seeing our cattle once a year right so you do one big muster once a year um and so back in those in the, in the 50s it was all all on horse you know 40 odd staff took a, took a long long period of time then as sort of innovation and technology evolved um you know in the 70s um you know that that then moved to uh ultimately really it was it was more around um the motorbike and the airplane right so then what took multiple weeks um or a week per paddock we'd get that down to a day right so you know the cessna was used to spot the cattle uh we'd have you know staff on the ground which went from 40 to ultimately three or four right um and it was all on two-way radios um, spotting cattle, mustering cattle. So major, major efficiencies in in the way we had seen that over the decades, right? Um, and then and then we wind the clock forward, and really now it's it's more um, you know part time staff uh, and and contractors coming in to help. So we've massively you know made moves in in the efficiency game again, um, and this is around you know management practices changes in 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 line with sustainability in line with um you know taking on practices around water flow we're in a we're in a very um low rainfall area you know i would i would go further than a semi-arid i would say fully arid we're, we're about seven and a half inches of, of annual rainfall there so absolutely critical to be managing managing those paddocks and pastures and giving them long periods of rest right often we would we would rest paddocks for for even one one to two years um to make sure that that natural those natural grass grasslands would recover um when I take a step back and say, well, what's changing in my generation? Where's that next big step change happening, right? And as I said, you go back those 10, 20, 30 years from the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s and massive um, dramatic changes in the way we run our business. When I took a look, um, you know, growing up, I was like, well, hang on a minute. What's the next big step here, right? You know, we're, we're, we're not making decisions largely based on data, right? We're, we're making them based off what we did historically and generationally which got us where we'll get to, but what was the next step? What was the next step in the value chain and the supply chain? I'd see cattle going down the, going down the driveway, four or 500 miles to the sale barn. We wouldn't know what price we were gonna get, right? We'd always be a price taker. Um, so I was sort of taking a step back and, and not to mention remote water monitoring, right? In terms of the, the broader ag tech scene, um, you know, we'd have to, to take two days to do a water run to check all our, all our waters or two or three hours in the airplane. So huge high cost in all of this. So I was thinking technology's got to solve for this. Um, I look for some technology, some software in particular for our business. Um, this would have been 20 years ago. Um, and we bought some software and it came in a floppy disk and it, and, and it stayed in a floppy disk. It never left the top drawer of the office, right? And that was because it was all legacy desktop. Um, it wasn't user friendly. So you'd have to get back at the long day, right? And you'd have to sit in front of a computer and enter a bunch of data in, right? And even if you did take that step, 
you won't then be able to use that information to mark to, to make data-driven decisions. So, so that was my experience, right? That was my experience growing up. And I was like, I'm not the only one that, that's, that's uh, solving for this. Turns out now, you know, when you look at the, the global market, 90% of livestock producers are still managing their business in a pencil and paper paddock book that sits in that top pocket, right? So I wanted to do something about that. I wanted to solve for that. So in 2014, um, I met a two other, the other two other co-founders and we set about really solving for this, solving for this on the ground rancher first. And it was really around how do we capture data in a very simple, intuitive way in a way that a rancher thinks about their business. We're all now in a world where we're carrying a smartphone in our top pocket, right? So it was around, okay, let's make something simple and visual and easy and based around that ranch map. That's, a, that's the way we think about our business. And then let's make it a way that, you know, it works offline. You can enter all that data across that holistic business to then help solve for the topics we're talking about today, right? Solve for drought management, solve for grazing plans, solve for rotational grazing, solve for high high performing and low performing animals and ultimately the, the the wrapper that sits around this is shifting the way we do business to make decisions based off data right rather than gut feel and rather than what we've done generationally so that's really the, the sum of it and, and you said you know what's your experience across across the globe and you know we started the business in australia we now have um you know we have customers in 16 geographies and and uh, big folks in a big hub is obviously in the u.s based out of colorado here We've got 13,000, yeah, about 13,000 producers that, that use our platform now. Um, and, and you know, we're, we're nearing, I think we're, you know, we just tipped over the 130 million acre mark. So, so you know, we're, we're helping a lot of producers, um, uh, you know, just like Steve and my family uh, in, in their day-to-day -day management. Um, and we're working with, with customers into the future to future-proof to solve for this. And, and one topic, you know, is around that generational planning, right? I mean, it's around... How are we setting up the next generation for success and how we, rather than all of that IP stored in someone's head um, and then that not flowing on and not learning from previous generations, it's not just about in the future. It's, it's you know, all of that rich information that's within family businesses. How can we get that out and, and set the next generation up for success? And we know we've got a lot of challenges, right? We, we know we've got a lot of challenges ahead of us. And you know, we believe if we digitize a business, we digitize that ranch and digitize the animal, we set ourselves up for a lot of, lot of um, tackle the, 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 the problems and set ourselves up for, for all the opportunities that, that come down our way as well. And John, what has been the first uh, reaction from a producer that maybe was on the fence about it? Maybe their kids said, hey, hey, mom and dad, we, we want to try this out. Let's just do a trial. What, what has been the reaction across the globe, like one of those number one key factors when, when the, the main decision maker has an aha moment, what data makes them have that aha moment first in, in your experience? Yeah, great question. I was going to say you're talking about the aha moments, so you, so you beat me to it. Um, but you know what? The first aha moment when, when someone sees our product um, is really visualizing that ranch map, right? being able to see the ranch map on a screen on an iPad or, or an iPhone or whatever you've got, and then being able to see where your all animals are, visualizing that, seeing how much past you have, seeing exactly what is going on literally as you look at that screen, right? And that there is the first aha moment which people, which people take a step back when they may not have even thought about software or technology to help, to help their business because it's, it, it's designed in a way they think about it, right? 
So that there is is a number one in terms of, wow, that's that's my ranch and there's so much power just staring in the palm of my hand and I can now at least make some decisions based off that. In terms of the actual data that sits behind that, um, I would say that that gets broken into the categories of, of the goals of that business, right? So if you're a, you know, if, if you're in the breeding game, then then you're really interested in things like um, weaning rates and, and fertility and those types of aspects, right? So then then you're looking at fertility life cycles and uh, and the performance that comes off that. If you're a stocker or a trader, then you're looking at at you know weight gains, weight performances, and then actually linking back to the high performers and low performers, right? And being able to now at your fingertips easily determine in, in a couple of those scenarios, right? Easily determine, you know, which which size are performing or or which management groups are performing in terms of in terms of carving, in terms of weaning, uh, and and what you're turning off. Or from a stocker perspective, you know, those vendors that you're getting those animals from, which ones are com- which ones are uh, are, com- are comparing and and producing the better outcomes, right? Um, because you want to you want to actually work out what the high performers are and the low performers, regardless of, of your operation of the segment. That's what it comes down to from an animal perspective, high performers and low performers. If we can remove those low performers from from our supply chain, whether it's an individual ranch or a global supply chain, we have the opportunity to to solve for these macro problems that we're facing. Right. And that's the mindset we need to get into. It's, it's not a difficult mindset, right? So that's one aspect in terms of animal management. The other one, which, which Steve was talking about as well, is pasture management, right? That's the other key data point. The key aha moment is understanding pasture utilization and making sure we're managing that, optimizing uh, for that in terms of the output, but also making sure we've, we've left enough base there to rest that paddock, to recover that paddock so that we can manage into a drought and we can manage out out of a drought right they always they always say oh how are you going to manage out of a drought and i always say well let's talk about how we're going to manage into a drought because if we do that properly if we do that properly you know we're going to come out the back in a much much stronger position uh and that's what we need to do to basically you know really start thinking about a sustainable uh profitable enterprise that can move forward and, and, and take these challenges head on now, John, obviously, uh, we, we've talked about drought quite a bit, and, and producers here in the U.S., we've been going through some very severe wildfire seasons that truly are year-round uh, the last few years. Um, how, how is the drought situation in Australia? Uh, I, I know we, we saw the images of the wildfires that just uh, impacted so many Australians. What, what is it looking like there? And, and then I'll tie that in. How are producers, as we, as we manage that drought and, and, and post drought and post wildfire, how AgriWeb is maybe helping producers uh, get through that. But uh, how are things over in Australia here? Uh, that um, you, I guess it'd be fall time, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, great point. I mean, we're in the southern hemisphere, so we're on the opposite opposite schedule. Um, but you know, Australia is obviously a big country. You know, in terms of land mass, it's 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 similar to the size of the U.S. We just happen to have one fifteenth of the population. So what that means, of course, is depending on where you are in Australia, it depends on what climatic conditions you you've got and, and where you're at. Um, our family, our family place, we've just come out of about um, five years of, of really significant drought, and in, and this year alone, we've had uh, more than our more than our annual rainfall in, in the first couple of months of this year. So. So from our area, we're, we're really coming out and, and bouncing out of that. Uh, in terms of large chunks of Australia, you know, a huge part of 
the eastern eastern seaboard, eastern part of Australia, was in really really significant drought as well, um, which which has broken in the last called twelve to eighteen months. So large areas of, of pastoral and mixed farming operations has has come out of the drought. Um, coupled with that is we've had the fires which you mentioned, um, but we've also had major major flooding events in that on the east coast of Australia, and you know they're becoming more and more frequent. Um, you know low-lying towns and areas have been literally decimated and and i mean you know the folk in all these towns have been sitting on their roofs and being and being rescued by locals in their boats so we've had some major flooding events major fire events major drought events this just gets back to the climatic conditions are, are becoming more and more erratic and more severe and they're happening at a, at a massive um, at a massive rate so, um, you know, I'm not going to get into the theory of why that's happening. That's not that's not my job and expertise, but 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 my job and expertise is helping ranchers manage into that and manage out of that, right? Um, and so this just becomes a, a getting a handle on what your actual operation is, what the drivers are, what your goals are, having data to back that, and then and then using that to make decisions, right? Making real-time decisions and making forward planning decisions, as Steve was saying in terms of those in terms of those management plans, in terms of those grazing management plans as well, um, so that's kind of that's kind of what we're seeing in Australia. And the the other thing um, is because of largely driven by because of the, the breaking of the drought, you know, a lot um, a big a big chunk of producers in Australia now are trying to restock and rebuild their numbers because of, of such severe long periods of drought. Of course, the numbers are so low that's driving commodity prices um, through the roof. So, so cattle prices in particular are so high that the highest they've ever been, um, which is obviously challenging for people trying to get in, um, but it's also driving the, the price of, of agricultural land through the roof as well. So we're in this really, really interesting dynamic where, um, you know, prices are, are skyrocketing. Uh, demand is, is still quite strong because the numbers are low. And, you know, Australia in particular is a big export market as well. So there's some really interesting fundamental dynamics that are going on. And what does that mean? What does that drive? We've talked about that before. It's around risk management, right? So now you have an asset that's running around another very valuable asset, a piece of dirt. And if we're not managing that properly, and if we're not managing that like a business with data to support that and, and data to back that up, there's a lot of risk on the table, enormous amounts of risk. If you're a, if you're a trader out there um, and, you know, you've got, you've got yearlings out there that are, that are currently, you know, 1500 Aussie dollars, right? And, and, you know, you're trying to put weight on and, and sell them. Like you've got a lot of risk that, that you're trying to manage. Um, so that becomes a big element as well. Uh, and if, and if you want to do business in this age, we're talking, we're talking big dollars uh, and, a, and a higher risk level. So it's even more critical and more important um, that we're setting ourselves up for success and up for the future. And, and we've got to digitize, we've got to have data behind that. Um, and the, the final point I'll make is it's not just, data required for your business, right? That data becomes incredibly powerful to help you with your banker, to help you with insurance, to help you with your accountant. So that if you are trying to grow, or you're trying to scale, or you're trying to, you know, get some more money to, to kind of look at some new opportunities, uh, the world's also changing in that aspect. And they're going to want to see data and they're going to want to de-risk their own, their own investment as well. Um, so we've got to think about the bigger picture, right? We've focused a lot around what it means for your individual business and making decisions, but the future is pulling together what's currently a pretty fragmented industry, right? 
and, uh, and the way we do business ac across this, across this industry is still pretty fragmented. Um, and we're going to have to move pretty quickly to digitize that, uh, and collaborate and integrate. And we talked about, you know, Steve talked about some virtual fencing, you know, it's our job as technology providers to work together. It's our job to integrate, um, and really help drive this industry forward through digital agriculture and the digital ecosystem. And that's what we stand for here at Agro. We're the best at what we do. And, and, you know, so we're best at what we do globally in terms of livestock business, business management software, but we don't do everything. We're not a hardware company, right? We're not solving for remote water monitoring or virtual fencing or even accounting software, right? That's where we can pull all that together uh, and drive that, that kind of larger digital ecosystem um, to really move the industry forward to scale. Now, now Steve, uh, as John mentioned, when uh, when you go to a banker, especially during very difficult times, it, it always seems that bankers love to give out money when the times are good, but when you really need the money, when the times are tough, sometimes uh, the, the penny purse is sucked up a little bit more there at the bank. But uh, have you ever taken in the, the data that has been collected through the AgriWeb software and sat down with uh, your financial uh, 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 institutions? Yes, and, and we did it without being asked. We did it as a part of the annual review that you do uh, with your banker when you're filling out your balance sheets and, and statements and things like that. We freely include the performance of the cattle, uh, because we have built in those key performance indicators that they have to meet for us as a herd and as an individual animal. And so we keep them apprised of what we're doing, like, like the, the fencing, but also we are now doing full, full herd DNA collection on our herd. We're a red Angus based herd. And in order for Brady to make really good decisions on sire selection to keep our herd moving forward, we needed a picture of what is our DNA profile within this herd. And so over the next few years of, of collecting DNA on the yearling heifers coming into our herd, we'll eventually have a herd profile that allows him to make better selection based on the, the indicators that we need. We are a maternal based herd, but we've got to have enough growth so that the steers can perform well in a feedlot. We need maternal cows that will milk enough in our environment but maintain themselves without a lot of associated costs. Um, we just keep cutting costs on our cow herd. Uh, we'll spend quite a bit of money from a calf that hits the ground until that heifer has her second calf. And as she has her second calf, she moves into the cow herd and we, we call it that you're now working for us. We've worked for you and now you're working for us. And that's when all the additional assistance goes out the window. You, you are bred you are expected to bring a calf to market. And if you don't, then you go down the road. Um, but then our job is working with, with Matt and, and Kobe and, and John's other crew is let's see how we can do even more proficiency of growing grass, keeping grass growing out ahead of the cow herd so that our responsibility of providing all those natural renewable resources to them is maximized out. So it's a continuous growth. It's a continuous improvement, both in the genetics, the efficiencies, and, and timely administration of what those cows need in terms of virals. We're about to give calves their first rounds of virals to make sure that they're already getting their immune system up to max. But we work with our nutritionist to make sure that our nutrition program also helps that. And then we invite our banker to come out and 
view the cattle, not just for an annual inspection, but be with us when we're branding calves. Be with us when we're shipping. You're, you're a partner in this. You're not my friend. You're my partner. And as a partner, you need to be aware of what's going on in the business. And so it's in, in my philosophy, and, and I'm, I'm sharing that with Brady and Aaron, it's an open book with your accountant, your lawyer, and your, and your banker that everything has to be on the table so that those partners can provide the best knowledge back. And so working with Kobe with AgriWeb and explaining to him what our goals in the next five years are, where we want to move our cow herd to try to be more efficient. And, and in, in essence, it's a form of sustainability that we want, we want cattle that are utilizing natural resources, but that natural resource is getting healthier the whole time. We want cattle that are performing for, for steers that high choice and prime. We generally hit 96% plus choice in our steers. But if the market wants more prime, then how do we adjust our genetics to do that? So our partners need to be versed enough in our business and know enough about our business like Kobe and those do so they can give us credible information. And I've tried to, I've registered for several of those seminars that AgriWeb has offered to us this year, and I just haven't had time to hit them all. Um, I'll schedule it and then something happens and I don't get there, but that's a great asset for us is a grazing management and a, and a marketing seminar and things like that that they're providing so that we can take a look at tools. And we're constantly evaluating our business. Right now, we sell the steers at 210, 220 days age off the cow unweaned. Heifers get weaned and then go in, into a grow program over winter, and then we sell replacement quality heifers in March. But we're still looking at and modeling, should we maybe be splitting those steers and selling some steers off the, off the cow, and then the smaller end, wean those steers, maybe stocker them over and take advantage of that spring market in the next calendar year that year over year over year shows to be a profitable point for demand of seven to 900 weight cattle. And we were talking about corn and wheat prices, commodity prices. I think if you can get cattle and market cattle at 750 to 900 pounds this year, you're gonna be ringing the bell because it's gonna be very difficult to take a 450 pound calf or even ours are almost 600 pounds and feed corn to those calves from October of 22 till June of 2023. That's gonna put a lot of expense in those calves. So grass weight before they go into the feedlot may be a premium for producers this year. And how can you use the AgroWeb uh, uh, app to look at what that future cost could be? How, how can you go, uh, do you go in there and play with the numbers just to see what that forecast could be? As you mentioned, with, with the cost of feed, it might not be uh, plausible this year, but uh, maybe you could calculate saying on a good year when corn is this price, how, how does that help in your decision-making process of wanting to keep or, or ship those lighter weight steers uh, in the fall? I think, I think for us being able to play the numbers, but then it's the risk assessment. And, and it's the finances, where you're at financially based on, are we on green grass for the rest of the growing season or have, have we had to add some more supplement because we're on dry, burned up feed. And so you, for us, it's, it's more of the deal. Can we afford to bridge a year's worth of income out of there? And so being able to model that in several different techniques and get answers that you can look at and, and 
measure the interest rates that your bankers telling you that are probably going to be we're going to be looking at by the fourth quarter of 2022 and things like that yes it's it's invaluable to be able to play with that and then look at the the performance of your cattle that's probably in the short term that's what we want to see is is our herd getting more uniform and i know it's not a feasible goal but we would like to almost dna every calf to where they look the same our goal is such uniformity that there's not 50 pounds difference from the smallest to the biggest calf and so we'll strive for that but that comes with individual cow id and then calf calf data that comes with using the technology in the year so that we can scan instead of having to read taggers and so it can all be done shoot side whether with our phone or with our laptop we can collect that data shoot side comments from the vet about each individual cow um, and things like that so all those are tools that we'll use and and i i fear for brady that i'm going to put him in data information overload <laughs> But I really think that's where the business is going, that we're going to be handling business not so much with a rope as with a computer and with good financial records and good performance records. And, and I think that that's where we're going to see the profitable producers are going to be working in businesses and less like old, as, as John was referring to, 1950s, 1960s, where everything's on the dash of the pickup and there's a few notepads and that it. It's where you're going to have to be in order to be profitable. Now, Steve, I, I, I assume you have public lands that you also lease as well? Right. Um, we have about 27,000 acres of our deeded land. And then we're, we have a lease on a 50,000 acre ranch owned by the State Land Board of Colorado. And we formed a business partnership with the Carney family. And so we're, we're on half of that. So we're running on about 25,000 acres. And then the Carneys are running on the other 25,000 acres along with their home place in Southeast Colorado as well. So I, I bring up uh, the, uh, speaking of the land that uh, you lease from the state uh, grazing board, you still use AgriWeb on your lease land as well, correct? Absolutely. And, and that's where probably we're going to put more effort into the use of AgriWeb on this property, like I was describing, it's got huge pastures, um, poor infrastructure. We've already put a half a million dollars worth of water development into it. So we're, we're adding the pipelines and the tanks to our, you remember that ranch map that John was talking about? Mm -hmm. A lease is always only as good as, as when you renew it. But if that opportunity comes to continue or the next individual that, that the state land board gives that lease to, we want a comprehensive tool that anybody can look at, but at the same time, we want state land board to feel confident that our pasture management, our infrastructure management is all moving this asset forward. And as long as these ranches function profitably to them, state land board isn't going to look to sell them and put that money in their portfolio to invest in instead of using it for a natural resource stewardship. So they have a stress factor in there too. They did a strategic analysis that said you should sell all your land, put all your money in the markets in different various locations in the markets and your yield will be far above that. But they also have a stewardship component in their charge from the state. Um, as, as Colorado became a state, they, these lands were given to the state of Colorado for schools with a stewardship component. And 
I give them credit that they have they have said we're going to see how we can increase the profitability. They worked with us as landowners to try to figure out ways to increase profitability, and that goes to the schools in Colorado. So together we work to build that pool of money that children in Colorado need in their schools. Well, I also bring this up for the the producers that uh, uh, lease from the, the U.S. Forest Service or the Bureau of Land Management, like so many operations across the West do. Uh, how do you see this playing a key role utilizing AgroWeb and its data showing how efficient that land is being in agriculture production for a few months out of the year in that multi-purpose piece of our public lands? How important do you think that is if a uh, maybe the BLM is questioning, you know, turnout uh, periods for a producer or whatnot. And again, I know I don't want to put uh, put you into a situation anywhere, but how do you see that uh, being a good uh, knowledge piece for a producer to take in uh, to share with those agencies about the importance of cattle and sheep on our public lands? Lane, it's, it's intrinsically important that when it comes time to evaluate the continuation of a permitted lease, whether it's state land, federal land, and even private leases. If you can show that your stewardship has been exemplary, that you are in fact improving the ground that you're that you're managing and making progress with it, plus producing a, a highly nutritious beef product off of a renewable resource, you're going to be in a good position to negotiate the continuation of that lease. You I'd rather be talking about how many numbers we're going to turn out than whether this lease is going to continue. And so data in your hand. And again, I'm going to, I'm going to stress if your agent hasn't been out there and looked at that site with you, you need to make sure that happens that the two of you go out together and you record together with your phone and you can put it in there and you can add it to those pastures within AgriWeb, the photo points within that pasture that become historical for 2022, that helps build that relationship of confidence that as a leasee, you're doing the very best you can, but you've got data to back it up, not just hearsay that it's working, there's proof that it's working. Um, So I, I would not want to, and in Colorado, we've seen lawsuits brought by Western watersheds on permittees and the fact that they monitored and had been doing it for five years, they were able to show through photo and other data that they were in fact improving riparian zones, drainage zones were improving, water flow was improving, water quality was improving, and they avoided the loss of that permit against an environmental group that wants cattle off of federal land. So, and the other side of it, Everything that I'm talking about there also applies to the subject of sustainability. As folks like the Eat Lancet report and others keep coming back and saying, we need to reduce beef and go to a a more vegetable product. Well, we can't grow vegetables in the greater Western part of the United States. So with this kind of data that gets compiled voluntarily, we start to have a pretty good picture of just the kind of efficiency and quality that beef production and, and land production is doing on the ground. We're not only improving the environmental condition of the ecosystem, but we're providing nutritional food for us in the United States. But then as John said, they're an exporter, we're an exporter. That's going across the globe. Now, John, a a lot of producers may be listening to this conversation and they may be wary about putting information out there and data out there. 
who owns the data that gets put into the AgroWeb app? I know that's a question a lot of folks are maybe asking themselves right now. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an important one. Um, so I'm glad you asked. It, it is the rancher's data. They own it. It doesn't go anywhere. We don't share it with anyone. Um, that's absolutely a critical component of what we stand for. Um, and so, you know, we, we want to make sure that any of those barriers that exist out there are, are broken down. Um, so that's first and foremost. Um, I talked a little bit before around integrations and collaborations and those types of things. Well, again, you know, uh, we don't integrate with any um, with any other third party that 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 rancher on AgWeb who owns their data would still need to consent for that. They would need to consent for for their flow of data to to transfer. Um, but but we actively encourage that, right? I mean, a, a big part of the opportunity that we see here is around collaboration and around sharing, right? Um, because that's where we can see you know really really significant gains in all of this. So this is you know sharing with your banker or or your land manager or with your insurer, all of those op opportunities are, can uh, exist now and into the future. Um, also sharing that data down the supply chain, right? I mean, I mean, we've got a lot of pressures, you know, we just started to touch on the topic there around sustainability, but there are a lot of pressures coming from the consumer. They want to have more visibility into what's happening. Uh, and that's, you know, subsequently getting pressure on the, on the retailer, which is getting pressure on the packer, which is then going to flow down. And we need to see this as an industry, as an opportunity, and as a carrot rather than a stick. And that's absolutely critical, right? We can't sit there and think that the world's trying to, you know, open the lid into our business. We need to think about the, op the, the opportunities that exist with that, the opportunity to value add, the opportunity to get a premium for your product, um, the opportunity to help tell the story to the consumer, uh, because right now it's a big black box. And, and we can uncover that black box and we can do it safely and we can do it securely without you know the rancher sitting there being like well everyone sees into my business that's that's absolutely not uh what we're talking about here we're talking about you know opening up what the black box looks like to build trust to build integrity and to build a really secure future where we're bringing in the consumer to this piece into this discussion right uh and that's really what it's, what it's all about it's got to start at source it's got to you've got to digitize your business at source to be able to to be able to have those opportunities right the other piece to this is, is um, you know, is the sustainability, right? I mean, this sustainability as a whole doesn't just mean carbon. I mean, that that is a catchword of the day, right? But sustainability as as a whole, as a as a ranch, as an industry, means we've got to be more profitable. We've got to be more efficient. We've got to focus on, you know, the social aspects, um, the community aspects as well, and how are we moving how are we moving this forward and it's absolutely critical that we're open to collaborating we're open to having those discussions and sharing and sharing where appropriate um, and in terms of that land management you know there's a huge education piece that that needs to happen we should see this as an opportunity you know everyone goes out there thinks thinks that what well, the, the common perception in an uneducated community believes that that cows and cattle are bad for the environment um, huge, huge emitter of of, um, of of carbon, and actually that's not true, right? In in sustainable grazing practices, we're seeing you know an opportunity to be a carbon sequester and an opportunity to really be a huge reduction in those emissions, right? Um, together with the opportunity in biodiversity, right? So so if we take on you know sustainable practices. Uh, and we're really working on the things like grazing management plans, and we're really focusing on on how we can improve the land and pass the land um, down as as a as a good custodian of that land. 
not only will we face these challenges that, that come up against us around actually educating the community, but we will be able to enjoy those opportunities, right? Carbon may be an opportunity. There's also other opportunities out there in biodiversity um, programs and, and credits. Um, but first and foremost, it's around, you know, the sustainability as a whole as this business. Um, and a huge, huge component of that is, is the digitization of that because you are then empowered to, again, tackle the challenges and reap the rewards, whatever they may be that are, that are coming down the chain. Final thing I'd say is, is you know, th this, this won't be an option moving forward. It won't be, oh, well, if you do certain things, you may get a premium in your product. It will be, it will come to a point where if you are not doing certain things and you are not being able to provide transparency in, into, into certain parts of your business, the markets will erode. So right now we see premium markets over time, markets will erode. So, so I think getting ahead of that, putting yourself in, in the best possible position uh, to succeed is, is really what we stand for. And again, producers, you know, they're, they're uh, grass growers as well as cattlemen. And uh, I think that's what a lot of consumers maybe don't understand along the way too, is uh, taking care of that soil, taking care of those rangeland resources to be able to produce the grass so cattle can graze. But for the cattle to, to really get a good start, that's uh, calving season. Uh, where I'm from, it's mostly a spring calving uh, uh, cycle. And, uh, you know, when we look at AgroWeb, we talked about the map, and I know it's always hard to, to share a visual via audio on a podcast, but when a producer has their phone or iPad or laptop with them, you know, so many of us grew up with that little pocketbook. We wrote down, you know, the weight of the calf, the date, uh, put our notes in there with them. Uh, how easy is it for a producer to start tracking that calf's performance the day it hits the ground? putting it into the app do you have to have service do you have to go relog it or or is it uh just streamlined so you don't even have to have service but let's just let's talk about that life cycle of utilizing AgroWeb and that calf hitting the ground all the way through the life cycle on that operation i mean look it's um i mentioned it before but it's, it's really around everyone's carrying a smartphone around in their pocket right these days so you know the way we've built this is it works entirely offline. So you do not need that, that connectivity. You don't need that cell coverage. So what that means is you can pull out your phone, you can open the app, you can see your, you can see your ranch map and see the pasture you're standing in. All right. So you can then get a full history of that pasture. You can see the forage availability. You can see how many days it's been grazed. You can see the stocking rate. You can see the stocking load on that pasture. If you're moving animals, you know, from pasture A to pasture B, horseback or, or on the quad or whatever you're doing, you know, rather than, rather than writing that in the notebook, you literally just pull out your, pull out your mobile phone. It's all drag and drop. You literally just pick up that little icon of that, of that herd and you move that from, from paddock A to paddock B. So that simple movement, not only has done the record so that you know that you've actually done that move or the stakeholders in the business now know that that that's been performed, but actually what Agrip's doing in the background is crunching all the data around how many days that paddock was rested, how many days, um, it, it was it, it was had that stocking load when those animals entered, right? So that now we're looking at past utilization, maximizing um, you know all of that availability. Uh, so so we're crunching all of that in, in in the background. Plus we're providing all the history that links to the animals and the herd and the pasture. So that's just one example. The other example is you know if you're standing shoot side and you and you're doing a session, 
Um, and you know, whether you're, whether you're managing individually, but in this case, if you're running an individual operation and you've got EID tags, for example, those animals are running through the chute. You've got your hardware there uh, that's reading the ear tag and reading the weight. That Bluetooths directly into AgriWeb. That'll Bluetooth directly into your iPad or your phone in the palm of your hand so that when that animal hits, hits that chute, you have the full history of that animal. Everything that's ever happened to it is now in the palm of your hand. Um, the weight's going to pop up if you're doing a, a treatment or an animal uh, animal health protocol. You can enter all of that so that that rich history is staying with that animal. And now you can make that critical decision shoot site. You're not having to go back to the office and pull up spreadsheets. You can work out if that animal's performing, if it's not, if it's hitting its KPIs or it's not. And you can go back into all of that history right then, there in real time. So that's what it means to be able to collect data and visualize and make decisions while you're standing shoot side or pasture side. That's that's what we say at the mobile app, right? Which is designed for data collection and, and, and decision making. We then have the web app, which is, you know, basically where you'd have, you'd, you'd, you'd come back to the office, you'd log in. This, this obviously is where you would have internet connection, but it's just through a web browser. And this is where, of course, you've still got all your mapping functionality in there. But this is where you'd be making more of those longer term decisions uh, and insights based off of the data that has been collected. So, of course, you can pull out all the reports you can imagine, but just a few highlights there. This is where you can go in and set a number of filters and compare uh, how animals are performing. So, you know, that example of if you're a if you're a trader or a stocker, you can compare where your animals are coming from and the weights that they're putting on um, similarly in, in a breeding operation. So that's really how one would go about their day-to-day -day operations in terms of collecting the data so the job's done, right? You're not getting home at the end of a long day and having to communicate or, or write it in. The whole business is across exactly what's happened that day um, and can move forward. But, but Steve, you might have some, uh, some insights in how, how you utilize that on, on the ground. No, John, you, you described exactly what we're trying to do um, on our home ranch. We're, we're plugging in all the water locations, gate locations, any, anything that we weren't just right on in terms of fencing and, and pasture sizes. And then the estimate of, of the available forage when we go into a pasture and the estimate of what we left. Uh, we, we do photo transects annually, but we also periodically clip and get an idea of what was left in the pasture. Those can all be put in while we're out in non-connective uh, and the majority of our ranch is non-connected. This one at least has more connectivity on it, but it can all be done that way. And then once you're back, you you download it and it's in there just as quick as you as you can get it downloaded. So the the possibilities are still out there. We haven't even yet explored what the entire possibilities for us are in one year with AgriWeb. Um, there's still things out there that, that we can try and do and keep keep making progress with our operation. Now, Steve, how user-friendly is it? I, 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 I don't want to assume anything, but I don't assume that you took coding in college or, or web design. How, how user-friendly is it for producers to, to have that smartphone or to have their, their computer and go back and forth, look at what, you know, what, the, what someone that's working for them has put in or, or one of the kids has, you know, entered data when they checked that pasture or made that rotation. Maybe mom and dad are on vacation and you want to, you know, keep an eye on how things are going. How user-friendly is it for you and uh, how can you recommend that to, to other producers out there that are maybe, you know, not quite as 
tech savvy as their kids might be. It's very user friendly, Lane. And, and the other aspect of being user friendly is uh, I've used different pasture managements. We're working with the Nature Conservancy on a lease ranch, we used one company and then on another and another deal through the Grazing Association here, we tried one that was based out of Nebraska that was a spreadsheet. What makes AgriWeb so much better than anything else we've ever used is if you run into a problem, they're just a phone call away or a chat away on the computer. If, you, if you're not getting where you want to, which is hard to do, if you're willing to just keep looking and keep clicking, you'll get to what you want to edit in there. And if you make some changes and you're wrong on the numbers, there's nothing that you can't come back and correct. It, it does not default that once you put something in, it is now locked. You can't come back and change it. And we've had others that were that way, that once you made an input, there was no going back and, and editing. And so in terms of, you don't have to be a great computer operator. If you're willing to click and, and willing to learn your buttons, it's gonna be real easy to work with. And then if you're still not able to find and get done what you wanna get done, just pick up the phone and, and call your representative or text them or email them. And they're, unless they're tied up with another client, they're gonna be there to help you, walk you through it, keep training. Um, their, their service is the best I've seen. Now, as I mentioned at our intro, um, you, you and your family won the 2020 National Environmental Stewardship Award program. How vital is it for you to utilize, I guess, how did AgroWeb come into helping that stewardship be recognized? And how is that going to continue to really highlight all the work that you, your family, and your partners in the business uh, have put into taking care of our environment. Uh, can, can we parallel that? To a certain degree, yes, you can parallel it, Lane. Um, the fact that over over three generations, we've continuously strive for continuous learning. And my generation, like John was describing, is is a digital generation. We we came from analog and and read books in our pocket to this. Brady and Aaron behind us are already in the digital and they're going to go beyond what, what we do. But we're going to, we're going to remain a sharing open family and, and business that if we can, if we can help other producers, if we can help the industry by sharing what we're doing and the data that we're getting here and we put it into the life cycle analysis done by NCBA and beef checkoff, Every time that they need data, we're going to be willing to share data. Um, we're going to count ourselves as one of the producers that has the grazing management plan. We're going to count ourselves as one of the producers that takes an inventory of wildlife and other species on the ranch so that we can track. Are we having an impact positively on those ecosystems that make up the entire management that we're doing? And so being able to, to collect it and have it in a way that we can share it with others is going to be valuable not only to us and our business, but I hope that to our our ranch managers and our industry as our industry begins to look at data collection for defense against threats on beef production in the United States or animal protein production in the United States. That sharing is going to be essential, and we're willing to do it. Like I said before, we we operate more as an open book and fear less about black helicopters bothering us. 
Well, I, I, I do want to encourage our listeners, uh, if you'd like to learn more about the Beatty Canyon Ranch and Steve Wooten and his family and the generations that will be taking over the operation. Uh, they just got a great family there in Colorado. I, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast that we recorded the morning after Steve and his family were recognized as those national ESAP winners. Steve thought we were talking. I, I don't. We, we had him on our schedule there at Cattle Convention down in Nashville. He, he thought he was going to be talking about something else because we had to bait him to jump on on the podcast because I, I somehow had some pre-release knowledge that that was going to happen. Go back and listen to Colorado Cattle Ranch Wins 2020 National ESAP Award. It's a great podcast. You can learn more about Steve there. But, uh, John, I, I guess uh, one of the last areas that I want to cover here is how uh, how easy is it for uh, a, a family ranch to, to, to get started with AgroWeb? What are the steps and uh, how, how does uh, the, the support team there in the Denver office, how do they reach producers across the nation and, and just getting those fields and, and the fencing and everything set up on the app? How, how, how streamlined is it? Yeah, great question. Um, and, and look, I just, you know, just want to thank Steve for his kind words around our, uh, around our support and success teams. It's something that we're, that we're very proud of and, 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 you know, we work very hard because if our customers aren't successful, then, then no one's successful and, and we can't move forward. So it's something we're, you know, we're very proud of. So it's great to hear, to great to hear some, some positive feedback on that. But, but I guess, you know, the journey starts of how you get set up, right? Lane, which was, which was your, which was, which was your first question. And look, I would take a step further back, and a big part of what we do is is try and drive content and education for for folks out there that are looking to take the first step. And Steve mentioned earlier around the webinars we do and the content we do, and it's not just around you know technology and what Agrib's doing, but it's around these these other broader principles that are that are in the industry. And we believe that's a big part of our role is is helping educate folks along that journey, and and then obviously encouraging people to take on digital solutions. So, so generally, you know, when people are, are ready to, um, to take that step, you know, there's a number of ways that they can get set up. They can just come directly to us um, and purchase the software or they can, they can elect to take a 14-day free trial. They can get a feel for the software. They can go in there and, and see if it's going to be a good fit for them. And then they can elect to, to purchase after that. Um, in terms of the, the actual getting set up, um, you know, we absolutely help people regardless of the stage they're at. Some people go in, we have all of the mapping technology built into the software so they can either, uh, if they've got a digital map, we can import that for them so that, 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 that it's already digitized for them. Or if they don't, if they're just managing a, um, you know, a map that sits in the kitchen table, we have all the mapping technology. They could just really simply go in and map their pastures, put all their landmarks in there, as Steve said, pipelines, infrastructure, uh, all those types of things. So you have that digital map. And that's a pretty quick process, you know. That that can be a couple of hours of mapping out your entire in your, in your entire ranch. Um, that's kind of the first step. You know, you get that digital map, then you go in and add all of your animals and your herds and your inventory items as well. So the setup can be again really self-service if folk want to go and do it themselves. And we have people that can go and set themselves up. I've seen people that have buy the software, and by the next day, you know, I look at their map and it's it's fully done. We've got other folk that, that want help with that, right? And we have a team and services behind that can help, whether it be map creation or whether it be really um, in-depth training and solutions to help that of all different sizes. You know, whether you're, whether you're a smaller rancher or whether you're a large corporate ranch, um, 
that that you know in some cases has tens of to hundreds of thousands of animals right and in those larger scenarios of course you know we can we can help around implementation and protocols and training um, so really we have solutions designed for for wherever the stage you're at in your journey and size um, not only size of business but but the goals you're trying to achieve and we also um, have really great resources around there where people can self-service themselves we also have this other um, other piece called Agrib Academy and this is effectively a, an accreditation that you can take yourself through um, there's different modules and you come out of the back of that being very trained on the, on the software and how and what it means for your business. The great thing about that is, you know, one can go in and train themselves because ultimately, you know, you've, you've got to be out there using the software. If you're not going to use it, you're not going to see the value. But but it also what we see is, is in the community, you actually get a certification behind that. So we see um, for folk that are, that are ranch hands or, or working within the business, they now take that piece of paper and that accreditation and they use that um, for their future. And it's so great to see now that we see on job listings and those types of things, um, you know, ability to use AgriWeb, certificated AgriWeb preferred, all these types of uh, messages that we're now seeing in this community, um, which is so good to see because people are now educated, uh, they're proficient, and they're now moving through, um, you know, their career, uh, knowing how to use digital tools and knowing how to use AgriWeb. So, you know, it's a big focus for us around, again, I started this this around the education um, and it doesn't just start at the start, it, it continues through that whole journey. But ultimately our team's here to make people successful. Um, so whatever level you're at, um, we, we have a solution for you. Well, again, this is so exciting. I, I, I think I'm going to have to go uh, take this tutorial and uh, convince my father-in-law that it's going to be a great idea. Steve, Steve, uh, uh, I guess what's your advice out there to the fathers and father-in-laws and mothers and mother-in-laws that are sitting on the fence and uh, what's advice to that next generation uh, on some tips that they can give to their elders in, in looking at this technology? I, I had the opportunity in many, many situations to facilitate generational transfer and, and I, I oftentimes will ask that generation that's on the fence, did you teach them everything you know? And the answer is always, well, yes. And do you have trust in them? Well, yes. Then why aren't they running the business? You, you can't imagine what a feeling it is when you turn it over to those young people that are versed in the modern aspects of it and you move into that mentor position where you're still fully engaged in the business, but you're acting as a mentor, a guide, a consultant, and you let them worry about the day-to-day -day things and let them take the business forward because they're the ones that are going to try to pass it to your grandchildren. And they need to be involved in the business at an early age. And, and for those younger people, visit with your, your agent. Whether you're in Colorado, you're going to visit with Kobe or, or Matt or any of them there. Visit with them. Get as much information. Run the tutorial on your own. And it's just like going to your banker. You come with a business model to your parents that shows possibilities, profit, loss, different scenarios. It, it's more than just sitting around having breakfast and coffee. You bring it as a business idea, whether it's a lease of an adjacent ranch or including AgriWeb as a tool in the business. Do the background on your own, invest in it a little bit, and then bring that 
comprehensive business model to them and, and show that you've got a, a desire to do it from a professional way and there's already stuff there that they can look at. And it's pretty hard to say no to a positive business model that already has a plan laid out in front of it. Well, those are very wise words, and I appreciate you sharing those, uh, Steve. And also for our listeners, uh, I'm assuming AgriWeb will be back down at the Colorado Cattlemen's Association annual meeting. I know they had a booth down there last year. So uh, if you're listening to this uh, here in the the spring slash summer of 2022, June 13th through the 15th, that's the 155th Colorado Cattlemen's Association annual meeting. Uh, uh, Steve, I'll, I'll give you the platform there. What, what do attendees, what's I, what's in store for folks that are going to be traveling, like myself, down to Colorado Springs uh, for, for this year's uh, meeting? And, of course, uh, you, you're at the helm here. You're president of CCA. What are some of those great things that will be taking place here in just a few short weeks? Well, we've got a great lineup within all of our committees of guests that are going to be speaking and talking about current issues within our committees. Um, really excited about that that list. Um, we're transitioning in a rather unique way this year. Our 20-year executive vice president, Terry Fankhauser, um, is going to step down, and the board has chosen Ms. Erin Carney who was raised here in Southeast Colorado. Her family is also the partners with us on this ranch. But Erin has been with the Colorado Cattlemen's for seven years and has been deeply involved in all aspects of the business of, of running and managing the Colorado Cattlemen's. And so we're really excited as this transition takes place past June, but there's gonna be a large component of that at there as, as we celebrate Terry's contribution to the industry and we welcome Aaron on board and we get to know Aaron and that. So we're going to have a lot of fun with it. We're going to probably shed a few tears as, as a great, great friend moves to Kansas. But the board also decided that Terry has a valuable business model and we want to be one of the contractors to his new business. So Terry is going to be a contractor to the Colorado Cattlemen's for issues management, crisis management, and just thinking out ahead of where these threats come from. You know, John talked about not being behind, getting out ahead. And that's that's the role that we want to contract with Terry's new business is help us think ahead so that we can get ahead of animal rights issues, animal welfare issues, um, nutrition issues, and things like that that just seem to be coming at agriculture from all aspects right now. And so he's going to be close to us, but not in Colorado, but certainly there making a difference in the industry. So um, there'll, there'll be opportunities to dance and, and have a good time. But I think the exciting part is going to be the committee meetings and all the great speakers and, and lessons we're going to have at the committee meetings. Well, Steve, I look forward to seeing seeing you down there in person here in just a few short weeks. Uh, uh, John, uh, I know we've been, this is a long podcast. We've been talking here a while. Uh, J- John, what are some last uh, comments you would just like to share with our, our audience here today just about uh, uh, AgroWeb, the integrity behind it, and the goals behind it as well? Yeah, I mean, look, we've covered a lot of great content. Um, so to summarize, it is tough. I think it's been a fantastic podcast. So I, I thank you for, for having us on. But, you know, I, I think the biggest risk in all of this is to do nothing, right? I mean, I mean, the challenges are coming thick and fast, as Steve just said. Um, you know, the risk is minimal in terms of adopting a solution like AgriWeb and, and, the, and the benefits are, are far-reaching. So, 
um, you know, I would I would say there's there's you know don't delay, uh, get involved. You can you can reach out to us. Um, you know, our our bigger mission here is is what we have plastered on all the walls of all of our offices in, in almost tattooed onto to all of our folk here at Agrobe is is live for the rancher, right? So we're going to have you know we're going to have your back. We're going to have the future in mind. Um, we're going to be taking steps to, to position you um, in the best possible way um, in, in where our expertise is, which is in, in software and, uh, and digitizing your business. So, you know, I just encourage people out there um, to head to, to www.agrib.com. That is A-G-R-I-W-E-B-B.com uh, and, and start, your, start your research, get in touch um, and, and we can take you through take you through understanding if it's going to be the right fit for you but again um the, the biggest risk is to do nothing in all of this so um you know let's let's take some steps for some positive change well as john mentioned just visit them online at www.agroweb with two bs.com again thank you so much to steve and john for joining us here today thank you lane thank you lane again friends that will do it for today's conversation on the Cattleman's Call podcast. I'm Lane Northland. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to NCBA's Cattleman's Call podcast with Lane Northland. For more information, visit ncba.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.